it's the next level. Welcome, Primers, into our Black Lightning Annual number one. Uh, That's right. This is going to break away from our typical format of our regular episodes. Uh, If you are new to the podcast, which we know many of you are, this is what we do over the summer. We, uh, We break down the seasons in full, and we give you a bunch of our favorite moments, characters, and so on and so on, but we'll go through the format in just a second. From the Showcast Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the Capping Crew cast of Pods, I am Rob Martin. And yeah, it's um <laughs> I it took me a little bit to get used to writing down what we have to go over on this because it, <laughs> yeah. it feels like it's been a while since we've done an annual. Just a bit. And we're later than we normally are in this stuff, too. So it it really throws us for a loop. But this is going to be a little bit different because Black Lightning was such a specific storyline that didn't really kind of go off the rails. There was no real throwaway episodes. It was a continuous story. So I would expect a shorter annual for this one. Uh, Very much so. And yeah, the season was pretty much very straightforward. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of episodes were pretty even keel. There wasn't I don't it was tough for me. Um uh, for those of you, again, that are new to it, uh, in this annual, what we will do is we will go over uh, a number of different things. Uh, our favorite episode, least favorite episode of the season, favorite character and least favorite character of the season. Um, I, we used to do in the past favorite moment and least favorite moment, but I want to I want to change that a little bit. And I want to get your take on this, Rob. Um, I want to maybe change that this year to favorite thing and least favorite thing. Uh, meaning it could be something consisting the season as a whole, or it could boil down to a favorite moment or least favorite moment. Um, I'm going to stick for this one. I mean, that's that we can switch it up if you want. I already came prepped with my, you know, the best moment, worst moment. So, okay. Um, so I, I'm, I'm very much prepared, uh, you know, but you know, if we want to switch it up for the other ones, we can totally do that. Well, that's so. why I said, you know, changing it up this way, cause then it could still include favorite moment, least favorite moment. Cause a moment is still a thing throughout the yeah, course of totally. the season. Uh, Absolutely. So yeah, we'll, we'll go through that. Uh, we're also going to rate the villain, uh, as we usually do episodes on a one through 10 scale sidekick hero or legend. And then at the very end, we're going to rate the season as a whole also on a one through 10 sidekick hero and villain, uh, uh, sidekick hero and legend. I think I screwed that up the first time too. And I didn't correct myself. Uh, We'll do that for the season, and we'll try and maybe make some predictions for what we expect to come out of season two at the same time. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, very straightforward, even-keeled season. Uh, this is a, a freshman season of the show, so they're really expectations. Uh, I don't know what yours were, but mine were kind of low. Yeah, I I didn't have a lot of expectations for this show at all, especially when we found out that it's really that the, you know, at least for season one, we knew it was not a part of the Arrowverse. So it's kind of like, okay, it's kind of odd to have another DC show on CW that's not part of that. And it was kind of weird for them not to say, no, this is very much a part of this. But, um, 
you know, anything could happen still. The, the show could still become a part of that. But this show was still really thoroughly enjoyable. Um, fair warning to a lot of people going into our annuals this year. I can tell you this now. A lot of my ratings this year for seasons as a whole will be very similar to the next. Um, there's only two shows that probably won't end up with the exact same score for me this year. Um <laughs> One a little bit less than what some of the other shows are getting, one a little bit more. So, um, and I'm sure if you've talked to or listened to us or have talked to us, for me, you probably already know what those two shows are going to be. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my opinion on the shows riding away on a motorcycle. If you didn't hear that in the background. <laughs> so no, I'm I'm with the, I'm in complete agreement with you too. Where um, when we get into those other shows, this is. Um, you know, incorporating Black Lightning into everything, too. Again, we're doing five annuals this year rather than four. And it's, yeah, it really was not the best year for the Arrowverse. Yeah, like, definitely not. Yeah, I, I think this year was a growing pains year for a lot of these shows. And uh, one of those shows in particular not ending up where it really needed to. Um, now it's a very 50-50 show. And when we get to Arrow, we'll definitely talk about that in, in, in full. Wait, way um, to reveal what show we were talking about. <laughs> well, I th- again, if, if you're listening to us now for the first time, ta-da, you now know our thoughts on Arrow. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, uh, the other thing I want to say, too, before we start breaking everything down is I know we said last week we were going to start going into our annuals for over the next court over the course of the next couple of weeks, uh, over the course of the next five weeks. It will, in fact, be over the next six weeks. We will be going through our annuals as next week. We're going to take a break from the annuals already. We're going to do one and take a break. Uh, but for a good reason, it's Comic-Con weekend. And yeah, usually usually our Comic-Con show happens the week after all of our annuals. Yeah. And because of Supergirl, it falls in a different spot. So, yeah. So there's uh, a lot of stuff we are sure that is going to be coming out of uh, Comic-Con. A lot of that stuff. Some of those things we're going to talk about in the news at the end of this uh, at the end of this annual. But I'm really it's really weird because before we started doing this podcast, I was always a big Marvel guy. I, and then the arrow show, you know, arrow started and I started getting into it. And over the course of the years, I started caring more and more about DC and what DC was bringing to comic con. And now like, I really, I'm to the point where I, I can't wait to see what's going to come out of DC and Warner brothers at comic con next weekend. Yeah. I mean, we, we've already seen the swag bags, uh, have already made it online. <laughs> and, uh, the the bags themselves are all actually based purely on CW and um, DC property for what you're give, being given at the door. And my favorite is the Legends of Tomorrow one is Bebo. Yes. And no I lie. I don't know if you saw it or not, but I made an offer to our friend Tony, Tony Kim of Hero and uh, Hero Within Inc. Uh, he is going to be at San Diego Comic-Con in this year with his clothing line. And he's going to be doing a pan, a fashion panel and everything at San Diego Comic-Con. I messaged him and I told him, if you can get your hands on one of these, and I sent him the picture, I was like, I will pay you for the bag and I will pay you to ship it to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because I, I want one. I don't know if I want it for myself because I don't know what the hell I would do with it. I think I'm uh, more. Wanted. I would frame it and put it on my wall. <laughs> well, then maybe if I get it, I was going to give it to you. I was going to use it as a giveaway, but maybe well, I'll, I'll message Tony again. Maybe he can get his hands on a couple of them for us. And uh, 
I'll pay them for them and have them ship them to us. And maybe like you and I can have one and we'll give one away to the listeners. <laughs> I just love the fact that they're putting Bebo in the bags. That just makes me so happy. I looked at I looked at exclusives for Comic-Con that are coming out, like Funko Pop exclusives and stuff. And a lot of toys that are that have been announced and like figurines and collectibles. Um, no Bebo collectibles. I was actually kind of surprised. I'm not really, it, you know, it's a throwaway gag. I, you know, I think you'll have to, for the long term, focus on Etsy, I think, for all of your Bebo needs. Yeah. So we'll, uh, it will, it, it's it's the question of Bebo returns this coming year. But we'll get into that when we talk about Legends of Tomorrow's uh, annual in a couple weeks. And if so. you really want to find one that bad, you can always go to Toys R Us. Oh, wait. <laughs> Damn well, it. Toys, Toys R Us still exists in Canada. So talk to our good friend Paul Williams. So it does. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Toys R Us is going to. To continue on uh, in Canada because it's a offshoot of the company and they the people that were running it there didn't run it into the ground. So well, I do know that the uh, the trademark and the name are up for public auction coming soon. So you could see a return of the store in a different format, but Toys R Us, as we know, it is gone. Well, I know the original owner that stepped away uh, that um, or not the original owner, but one of the originals that before uh, the new team took took over the company in the States and ran it into the ground is considering buying it back and um, starting fresh and doing it the right way. So, hey, uh, cool. so it's a big wait and see. Welcome to our Toys R Us podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, let's get into uh, into Black Lightning. 13 episodes consisted of this first freshman year season. Uh, and so let's start with uh, what do you want to start with this year? Because I know I usually take the lead on everything, but I'm going to. Um, you know what? Let's uh, let's kick it off with best character, worst character. OK, um, now you sent me a whole message on Facebook uh, about what your favorites and everything are. I did not read it uh, because I did not want anything influencing my decisions on everything. So if we come across the same, first off, it's only a 13 episode season freshman year. I won't be surprised if a lot of the what we have is the same. Yeah. Um, or I would also not be surprised if some stuff is polar opposites. So, oh, yeah, uh, there's going to be a lot of interesting takes, I think, on this, which is I'm very curious because we really were very light on a lot of our black lightning discussions because so much of it was kind of like, well, it was continuation of exactly what happened last week. Wasn't a lot of new developments, but the story is kind of moving forward. And we would talk about those points and then kind of, you know, move on to the next show. Cause again, this is very much feels like a binge watchy kind of show versus a week to week. Um, you know, so I think the show is going to get the most of its love, I think, here. But I still also don't think it'll be a very long conversation. So, no, and I agree with you. And you're and you're very right. The format of the show was definitely different from what we expected from, you know, the Arrowverse shows in that Black Lightning was more of a show with a Netflix Netflix feel only on a network channel. Yeah. Uh, you know, 13 episode format is very familiar of what we already know coming out of shows like Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. And I say Luke Cage because there's a very similar feel between Black Lightning and Luke Cage. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, but yeah, like, okay, let's start with our least, um, our favorite and least favorite characters of the season. And I'll let you kick it off. Who was your, uh, I think this is probably pretty much, I don't even think I need to know what you're, uh, to get I don't, I don't even really think i need to guess i, I think i have a feeling uh, as to one of two characters that is probably your favorite because i think they're similar to mine uh best character of this season hands down without a question jefferson pierce okay um he was such a lovable and likable character and i i think most you know most of you out there probably feel the same way he was our eyes into this universe and he was such a 
a, a, a perfect um, kind of entryway into the world of Black Lightning. Like, and, you know, it was really based upon him and a couple other smaller characters. But this this was his story. And I think if you can't connect with the main character, you weren't going to connect it with this story at all. So, no, I agree with you. And I, I'm right there with you on that. He was also my favorite character. Again, I had two characters that I had a feeling were going to be both of our favorite characters. And a, a second runner up, correct me if I'm wrong, was Gamby. Yeah, it was it was really I it was the 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 you know father and son dynamic that you got between Gamby and and Pierce um as a whole but I mean Jefferson I still think wins out in a landslide in that I mean like Gamby was an interesting character but Jefferson was the person I was rooting for not not Gamby if Gamby died at the end of the season it would have been sad but if Jefferson died I was like, well, I don't know why I, would, uh, why I want to watch the season next year, you know? Yeah, exactly. Not only that, but, you know, on top of the, the whole likability and lovability of, of Jefferson Pierce, you also had a character who was a family man. Uh, you knew why he had stepped down from what he was doing, and you totally understood it. Whereas you look at some of the Arrowverse characters, and if something happened to any of those characters— you know, right from right from the start of this, you know, Barry was never with Iris, so he didn't really have anything that he connected to. Uh, Oliver wasn't with Felicity and didn't have his son, William, so he didn't really have any connections. But right from the start with Black Lightning, you have a character in Jefferson who already has all these connections that you, you really want to learn more about, those being his two daughters and his ex-wife. Right. And I mean, like I said, again, every time that there was a question and you even though that Jefferson knew the answer and you didn't, you wanted you were waiting for those reveals to happen. And uh, while you were waiting, he was a really enjoyable character to go along this ride with. So, yeah. Uh, so as far as uh, so we're pretty much on the same page then as far as favorite character. And here's where I, I'm wondering where our differences are going to lie, because. I had a tough time actually picking a least favorite character. There now, if we made this category, if we changed this category from least favorite character to insignificant character, I would have had a whole list. In all <laughs> yeah, so, unfortunately, there was quite a few. <laughs> yeah, but uh, as far as least favorite, oh, man, it was kind of tough. Although I, I did have it again narrowed down to two. I like to have a backup of almost everything, and uh, I. If you don't mind, I'm going to start this one off. Yeah, I actually have two ready as well, so it's okay. Okay. Um, I'll give you my main one. Actually, I'll give you my backup first. My my backup least favorite character was Cyanide. Hey, hey, that was my backup <laughs> least favorite character as well. <laughs> oh, oh God, I hope we're not on. A, I hope we're. I'm wondering if we're on the same page. Um, it, the character just felt really. It didn't feel flushed out. She didn't feel like like we didn't get any kind of a backstory in her until the close to the finale. Well, well, actually, when we when we wrap this part up, let's we'll get into our our, the best moments, worst moments. But we'll start on the worst because I think that's going to kind of tie into some of this this um, discussion a little bit. So I think that'll make the most sense to dive into after this. But, yeah, you're right. She was um, she was in a lot of scenes and she just kind of stood there. Uh, She didn't do a whole hell of a lot. And it, she was a purely reactionary character that didn't even need to be involved. If you removed her from the entirety of the season, nobody would have blinked an eye or cared. And that's the truth of her character. If you were to say worst character and most insignificant character, I think she wins the, the prize on both sides. Um, you know, Cyanide, just a really dumb character, really boring. And I, if she's going to be in next season and we know she will be, I really hope they do something with her. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. Um completely uh but that leads me to my least favorite character my actual least favorite character joey toledo 
uh, good God, was this character annoying. Uh, but they kind of go hand in hand. He kind of goes hand in hand with Cyanide is that in that at the time he was Tobias Wales, one of two of Tobias Wales lackeys. Yeah. And for a while, you know, especially in the beginning of the season, they both, like you said, just kind of flushed into the background. There was nothing established about their characters. We just knew that they worked with Tobias. And then at one point, I mean, thankfully, he was a least favorite character and he's killed off at one point by Gamby. But uh, like, I just not only was he insignificant to the story, but at times he just came across as annoying. Yeah, uh, and I actually, like, I will agree with you on that. Uh, my worst character is somebody a little bit different, but I totally get your reasonings and why. Um, I put Toledo kind of more in the insignificant category. He had more more of a purpose than Cyanide did, so Cyanide still kind of took, you know, took that prize from him. Uh, least interesting character, worst character in this, uh, Agent Proctor, um, you know, the head of the uh, ASA. He was a villain that was there, and he said, I'm a bad guy, ha, 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 and <laughs> insert twirly mustache here. Uh, you know, he could have been a bad guy in a Dudley Do-Right cartoon, and <laughs> nobody would have been any, any the wiser. Yeah. Um, he was such an empty character and an empty threat, uh, considering everything else that was going on. Um, and that kind of even ties a little bit into, like, when we get into our, our villains. But, I mean, again, in all in all honesty, you know, that's not even the sequences, you know, I would say we'd even kind of dive into and get into, but um, I just really never cared about Proctor. Like he was only, he was such an insignificant part of the season, but kind of built up alongside Tobias whale as the other big bad of the season, but he just didn't matter. He tried to pose a big threat and was really not a big threat. Um, that was especially, it really showed um, the way that he's dealt with by the end of the season. So. And, and you know what's a shame, too, is that I actually – I really enjoy Greg Henry as an actor. I do, too. I love him. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, seeing him portray this character – and again, I mean, we've we've made apologies for this before, and we'll make it for him again, too. It's nothing to do with Greg Henry and his acting abilities at all. This is just a poorly written character. Yeah. Um, and and it, while it may not be – like, you know, it's – it may not even just been poorly written. It was just – they tried to throw too many villains at us at once and try to figure out who the villains were. And that makes it difficult when you're like, oh, well, actually, really kind of in, in a technical sense, this is the big bad of the season. And I'm like too little too late kind of situations where we've said many, many a times in other shows in the past uh, when the reveal happens too late in the game. Uh, but Proctor, it, it was a mixture of what you were saying and that end. It was an uninteresting character uh, that didn't have a lot to do but never felt like a real threat, um, but also was revealed too late as the big bad of it all. So, yeah. uh, I'm, you know, I'm kind of glad that you use that as well, because I want to use that to kind of leap into the next category of uh, of the annual. And I, I want to jump into least favorite moment or. Yep. Or that's exactly favorite thing. Where, where my brain was <laughs> heading to. OK, uh, because I have two, actually, and I want to I kind of want to mention them both because I feel like they're they're they both merit mentioning on this and you hit the nail on the head with one of them. And one of them was just the, in an episode, a show that had 13 episodes. One, the first pro the first issue that I had is by episode six or seven, we hit a major story stall uh, in that we were getting more and more questions and the story itself just wasn't progressing through yet and it really wasn't until episode eight that this really started to 
really just take a, they finally put their foot on the gas and start moving forward. But it was also around that time in the season that we started getting exactly what you had just said when you were talking about uh, Proctor. Too many villains in this. And it was almost like the show couldn't decide what the, who they wanted to be the villain. I mean, we had the first couple episodes where we thought Lady Eve was going to be the big bad. And then it turned into, it shifted, well, maybe Tobias Whale is going to be the big bad. Then Martin Proctor comes in in the ASA, and okay, ASA is in the big bad. And, you know, maybe they're all working together at some point. We couldn't predict who the big bad was. And even by the end, uh, even by the finale, we were still a little confused by it. Right, and you're like, is it Lala? Like, and you're like, and you're sitting there like, Lala. and you're like, what the hell is happening? And yeah. like, and that was that was a big problem. Actually, mine's kind of tied to that, but also one of the other ends, and I think that still was one of the worst moments. Was this was a show that asked us a thousand and one questions when it all started. I think you and me will, if we go back and listen to us talking about Black Lightning, it was like, man, how did this happen? Why are there? You know, metas. Why is like what was Jefferson's past? What was the whole situation? And why is Tobias uh, not aging? All these things. And it all gets dealt to us in a five minute sequence that I I remember tearing into that pissed me off to all hell and back, which was in the very final episode when Jefferson is down and out uh, after, you know, at the end of episode 12, when he gets hit by painkiller, a.k.a. Khalil. where you have Jennifer kind of coming to terms with their powers and is standing out in the ca- uh, on the deck of the cabin with Gamby. And Gamby says, well, this is painkiller's abilities. This is Cyanide's abilities. This is, you know, Tobias Whale's abilities and all these things. And, like, answering all these questions in this five-minute lump sum info dump that happened, like, and it just, it took all this momentum out of all these questions that you were waiting for these massive reveals about, and they just kind of shoehorn them in because they realized they had to and they forgot to do it. And that's exactly what it felt like. But that tied in with the villain muddling that happened in this season um, were really kind of very upsetting, I think, in the way that this kind of played out. It's it's people yell at authors when they do this in a book, when they say, well, we're going to tell you everything instead of showing you. Uh, or properly unveiling it. If you're going to dump that in, uh, knowledge on us, you do it over time. You don't say, oh, yeah, we forgot to do this with four major bad guys in this season. Yeah. And we're just going to do it in a sequence back to back to back. Like, Gamby might as well have been reading classifieds out, uh, you know, like classified files out to her out loud. Um, and instead of this kind of like, hey, I happen to know all this information. And like when it got to Khalil, I'm like, how do you even know that about Khalil? Like, you're still kind of like, boom. It just not a lot of it didn't link up, didn't make sense. And sometimes it just and it came across in a very rough way, especially in a show that we were like, please give us an answer about something. And it just never did. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. But you know what, though, on top of that, I want to kind of lead. I want to use this to lead into my favorite um, moment or thing about the season. And you touched on it a little bit. And I kind of see it from a different perspective in that. You know, from the first, and I, I did put a lot of thinking into this. I think my opinion on it was a little different when the episode first aired. But from the pilot, I kind of thinking, thinking back on it, I kind of like the idea of us getting a season and getting a show that 
You know, because you look at The Flash, you look at Legends of Tomorrow, you look at Arrow, you look at Supergirl. We we take these these pilots, and the one thing that all four of these shows have in common is that the pilot establishes the origin of the character. With Black Lightning, we didn't get that at all. We didn't know his origin, and his origin was something that wasn't revealed until later. Black Lightning jumped right head-on into the story from the start of this show. And it was a breakaway from the typical format that we see from these other shows. And looking back at that, yes, there are some flaws about it, but I like the fact that the writers actually took the risk in doing something like that. I do, too. I really actually appreciated them doing that. And you know what it did? It reminded me of some of my other favorite things we've done on this show, which were, hey, like casket watch, you know, like who's the person dead at the end of the season? Uh, Who's the man in the iron mask? I loved having questions every week that we weren't getting answers to. And I'm like, I can't wait for this reveal. Like, and some of those reveals paid off in a great way. Um, Some of them, not so much, but I really loved that we were questioning things up until the bitter end. And if they can execute that the same way next year and hit the landing, man, the show could be, will, will easily be one of my favorites. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my favorite thing about this, about this first season uh, to sum it up, a non-origin pilot. I, I really thought I, I think the writers taking a risk on something like that was was really well done. Yeah, uh, for me, actually kind of goes to like my favorite thing kind of moment, as you mentioned earlier. And there was just too many to kind of really pick out because my absolute favorite part of this show in this season as a whole was the the slow scenes that were between Jefferson and his family and watching that family dynamic. And we even said over and over, if the show had nothing to do with superheroes and we were just watching these characters, and even if it was just done as a family drama of the things that are going on in their lives, if it was about like Lynn and Jefferson getting back together and watching this, that was so engaging and was done so incredibly well. Um, And just watching him interact with Anissa and Jennifer and all these things, played out so perfectly and kind of this kind of you know family friend that they lovingly refer to as their uncle all these pieces worked perfectly and i really thought every time you had a slow moment with that that group of characters together it was easily always the standout moments of those episodes one of my ones that i I still laugh about thinking about in in this episode was the moment that it's lynn and you know Jennifer and uh, Jefferson sitting down and having dinner and Jennifer just looking at her parents is like, you know what? I have decided I'm going to have sex with Khalil. And it was <laughs> right. the end of the conversation. And Jefferson stops, looks at Lynn and says, were we too liberal in, in raising our daughter? And I loved that moment. Like I didn't even have to look that up. It wasn't even written down on my paper. That was something that I remember that moment. And I remember that line because it was so like it was just a perfect hysterical moment, but it was a endearing moment, though, too. It was all those little scenes that happened. They were all so perfect and wonderfully executed, wonderfully written, wonderfully acted. And uh, so they those were easily big highlights. If I had to pick a specific moment from an episode, I will say I think the very first time we see Anissa step in into her traditional thundersuit later on was such a big, huge, powerful moment as well. Oh, so. yeah. But you're absolutely right. The family dynamic in the Je- the Jeffersons um, or the Pierces, not the Jeffersons. Sorry. Um, different yeah. show. Very yeah. different show. Very, very different, different show. Error. Sherman Helmsley. God rest his soul. <laughs> uh, no, the, the, the family dynamic with the Pierce family was, was something that was so fantastic. And you, you kind of um, 
you know, hit the nail on the head in that you could have taken this show and you could have removed the superhero aspect from it and changed the story to being about a principal or a superintendent of a school having to deal with drugs being brought into his school, but manage his family at the same time with no superhero elements. You could have changed, completely changed the format of the show to that. And the family dynamic with these characters was so strong. You wouldn't have had to change a thing about the characters. Yeah. You and, really, and, you really wouldn't have, and and it would have, and it, the show would have worked just as well as like a CW drama rather than a CW superhero show, right? So, uh, all right, I think that leaves us then with our favorite episode and least favorite episode of the season. I've taken the lead on the last couple, so I'll let you take the lead on this one. Let's jump into uh, least favorite episode since we're going to do the least first. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll definitely dive into that. So I would say. Worst episode of the season, and I hate to say it, Shadow of Death, The Book of War, which was AKA episode 13, our finale. You know um, what? I'm, I'm on the same page. It was mine as well. So even just my notes looking over what I was saying, you know, one of the big key things, it was a very slow moving finale. Uh, and it was probably actually for having one of the largest fights. It was the most unexciting. Um, it really left me wanting more. Uh, and it felt more like a penultimate episode versus an actual finale. Um I wanted to close up, close the book maybe on Tobias versus the ASA. Instead, we kind of got the reverse. Um, I felt like there was a lot more we could have unpacked it, uh, unpacked with the ASA and Proctor as a character, build him up, and just maybe just close out and make this kind of like, well, the revenge angle between Tobias and Jefferson is done, but there's now a ter- more terrifying threat on their hands. Um, and, you know, we've barely scratched the surface on what the ASA really was at this time. And Proctor was, like I said, we just find out at the end. He's just a rogue agent, really had really nothing to do with the ASA as a whole uh, and was just really trying to get in their good graces. So I don't think that really worked uh, incredibly very well. Uh, in addition to it, we had a very overly long fight sequence. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that I really loved about the show that we didn't get into beforehand was the music selections in the show were always so good between hip hop, class, you know, you know, classic funk to jazz, all these things. So it was a little disappointing that we had this big fight and they pulled back to a funk funk song that they already used in another fight sequence earlier in the season, just a couple episodes beforehand, where you're in a finale, you know, play with that idea, do something other big and classical instead. And they didn't do that here. So it was, I think there was a couple big missteps. And in even going back to when we review the finale, I think one of the other key things for me too in this was uh, when it got to the end, there really felt like there was transition scenes missing uh, between moment to moment to moment. It's like, hey, we move the kids. Well, where do they go? Well, we, we we have no idea. You know, all these little pieces that some of those time jumps just never factored out well. Or it made you be like, wait a second, did I miss a scene? Did I walk out of the room? Or was it, am I, you know, was there an issue with the stream I'm watching? All these things. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think that this was a very kind of mixed mixed bag for a finale. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely. And I, you've kind of touched all the bases that I wanted to. I, we we kind of, with the exception of the music, that was something that I really didn't even think of, of reusing the song. And you're right, that was something that we have praised this series upon, is that uh, it, it gives us a great, the music that they used between, you know, hip hop and jazz and everything, as you mentioned, is it gave us a great urban feel, which is what the show was trying to portray to begin with. And the music really highlighted that. So I didn't even really pick up on the fact that they used a, a a song twice uh, for a similar fight scene. But you're absolutely right. The fight scene at the end was very uneventful. I expected more for a finale. Uh, and 
even though you're right, it was it was a pretty big fight because it was technically a boss fight. Yeah, I mean, but, like it was, it, but it wasn't even really. It was just you know our main like, cast of characters being attacked by a whole bunch of guards. That's really what it was. It was yeah. it, Proctor wasn't involved, Tobias wasn't involved, Pain Carroll wasn't involved, Cyanide wasn't involved. It was just here's a whole bunch of rogue ASA agents, and that's all it was. It was. You know, and when that even makes it more confusing when you find out at the end that Proctor's not even really with the ASA anymore. He like he really got this many people of the ASA saying, well, yeah, we kind of believe what you're doing. We'll all join forces with you. It like it left me with a weird taste in my mouth. I'm like, I'm not quite sure what's happening, but I don't think it worked. <laughs> so, well, not only that, but, the, you know, for something that was technically supposed to be considered a boss fight, we had too many bosses already to begin with, as we still had Proctor. We had uh, Painkiller. We had Tobias. We had a bunch. And the only one we even really get any kind of resolution on is Proctor. In that Gamby kills Proctor, you know, during the fight at the end. Tobias is is let off. Cyanide is still alive. Painkiller is still out there. We really didn't get any kind of closure on any of these villains with the exception of Proctor, which was the one we were expecting to continue on. Yeah. So, um, I, I, yeah, it was it kind of for a finale. It, it kind of fell a little flat. Yeah, I, I really do. I really feel that way. And like you can, it felt like it was really difficult to give any other episode in this season this this tag because this is what all of this was leading up to and it just it just fell apart yeah so uh all right let's and here's where i am i'm wondering where you stand because we have 12 other episodes to discuss in in my opinion well not to discuss but to to pick from and in my opinion these other 12 episodes i, I mentioned this earlier on they kind of are pretty on an average even keel there really wasn't any one of these episodes that stood out massively a bunch of the other ones. I think it's little pick and choose things about the episodes that probably helped us to pick our favorite of the season. Uh, so let's talk about our, our picks for favorite episode of the season. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to let you kick this one off to what was your of episodes one through 12, which one was your favorite of the season? Uh, unfortunately, I don't have the episode number uh, in front of me. But what was, what um, was the title? I can tell you the episode. The number. the title was Black Jesus, the Book of Crucifixion. That was episode uh, eleven. Uh, so easily, I think the this was my big standout. Uh, as much as I I love the pilot, uh, it was a hard pick between the pilot and this episode, and this definitely I think edged out in the end. Um, the main reason why is this is the episode where we see uh, the deputy chief of police frame. Uh, Jefferson uh, for having green light in his car. Uh, and we get a couple really, really amazingly strong moments in this episode that that really punched you in the gut. Um, one of those key ones is when this does indeed happen in the beginning, we watch the kids of Freeland, like high school, come to Jefferson's defense really fast uh, and really stand up for him uh, and in such a major way. And it really, that was one of those moments of showing, not telling, of showing how important he really is to this community and nobody buying this and nobody believing in this. Um, but it, we watch some horrible atrocities happen to Jefferson between the police brutality, him behind bars, all these moments. And he, it's a character that still doesn't lose hope through it all. He holds himself together and keeps his head up. And you have a character that really shines in this episode that we haven't even talked about yet. And that's um, Officer uh, Henderson. Yeah. We we see him really get behind knowing this is horrible. This is wrong. He knows this is crap. Uh, and him working with Lynn. And he's like, no, I'm going to do the right thing here. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna deal with this corrupt cop, and we're we're taking our city back. And this is him really stepping into that Gordon role that we kind of you know refer back to a little bit more uh, when we even mentioned in the season. It's it's that Batman you know Gordon uh, role that these characters have together. Um, but for one, Henderson's connection to to Jefferson is a, that lead piece here. It's not his connection to Black Lightning. Um, and seeing Henderson take this corrupt cop down was really just a wonderful moment. Um, and ultimately, he ends up becoming the new deputy chief of police by the end of this. Uh, but in addition to that, though, too, the reunion between him, uh, you know, Jefferson and his family at the end was so heartfelt um, because of all the themes that we're seeing throughout the entirety of the season. Uh, I think it culminated in everything perfectly. And I think this easily stood out very high up. So. Yeah. Um- I have I have a different one, so I and I'm not saying, you know, anything wrong about your episode. I'm just saying for once I'm actually different because we agreed on the on the least favorite episode. But as far as favorite episode, mine um, is actually book of uh, book of revelations, which was episode eight of the season of the series. And this one kind of stands out to me because if you don't remember correctly, this is the episode in which Jefferson and Nessa work together to. Uh, I, uh, God, it, they work, they go undercover within, um, um, sorry, I, I, my mind freaking blanked. <laughs> it's okay. I'm talking about this. Um, it, it's the one where they actually have to go into the, into the morgue to, um, clear Jefferson of, uh, killing Lady Eve. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. No, that was a really solid episode too. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm, re- and what I really enjoyed about this episode is the fact that this episode was able to take these two characters who we knew we knew Jefferson as Black Lightning, we knew Nissa was eventually going to become um, Thunder. So, and she, I don't think at by this point in episode eight, she hadn't made the full transition yet. She didn't um, actually. She wasn't given her costume actually. I think until the next episode was episode nine was when mm-hmm. Gamby gives her 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 Thunder costume. So right. we're we're really starting to see two characters. Uh, family, we're starting to see this family connection between two characters working together. And I love the fact that we were able to see superheroes actually still be heroes without their costumes. Uh, and not only that, but there was a bunch of levity in, in this, uh, episode as well. As if you remember, there was the scene where they were talking to the, the security guard at the morgue and Nessa was going through his phone to get secure, to get access to everything. Like his family name and stuff like that, and there was just, I, I, I guess you don't remember it, but, um, it, it's been a little while, so I'm yeah. trying to like you're you're rehashing some parts for me that I forget just a bit. So no, it's it's fine. Um, so it 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 was one of my favorite episodes, and the main reason behind it is the reason I already mentioned is we were able to see two characters who we knew. Or at least one who was a superhero, one who was becoming a superhero and finding her way to becoming a superhero. We were able to see the superhero, the heroic elements of a character and them not be in a costume. Uh, I mean, we've seen that in other shows before, but I think this was seeing that in the truest sense of that form. Yeah. No, I I, show that we've seen. I can definitely see that because we did, we did get a lot of wonderful moments, but I think you're right. That's the one where that it really does culminate very heavily with those two characters. So, but yeah, like I said, a lot of the show blends together. It's the downside. Yeah, and, They're like, and that, it was kind of that was one of the reasons why I was kind of stumbling over my words a little bit when I was giving the description of the episode is because I knew it was that episode. I knew what happened into it, but 
I, as I was trying to recap it and, and talk about it, my mind started going to other things that happened in other episodes. So I'm, I'm <laughs> it does trying, that to you. This show really it, does that to I'm you. And I'm trying to process this as the words are coming out of my mouth. And that's why I'm like, um, uh, so yeah, so I apologize for that. Uh, but yeah, that was, and again, that for that reason is probably the reason why that episode was one of my favorites of the season. Yeah, I, I think the same exact thing would happen to us if we were trying to review one of the Marvel shows too, where you're just kind of like, uh, you know, unless it's the the hallway fight in Daredevil season one, I couldn't probably <laughs> tell you when things happen in any of those shows anymore because I'm like, I just don't remember anymore. Because uh, again, it, it, that's the downside of when these shows are short and they wrapped a while ago where it used to be really fresh in your heads. So like, I remember this stuff exactly. And uh, damn you, Supergirl. Damn you, CW. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, All right. So. That pretty much sums it up then for our favorites and least favorites of the season. So we, what we do now is we're going to wrap things up. We're going to rate the villain, villains as a whole. Uh, and we're going to rate the season as a whole as well. And our rating system is going to be, as you've, as you've heard before, it's going to be a two part season, uh, two part rating. We're not just going to give it sidekick hero or legend this time around. We're going to give it a one through 10 rating as well, where one through three is sidekick, uh, four through seven is hero and eight through 10 is legend. So that being said, Rate the villains of the <laughs> of this season. Um, I think we've talked about this before in that when we do villains, you kind of do them as a whole. Yeah, it's kind of if if there's multiple villains in a season like there is with Black Lightning and there has been in the past with like Legends of Tomorrow and Arrow and stuff like that. Um, you, you can't you can't pick just one. You kind of have to do the villains as a as an entire group. So. Uh, the villains of this season, season one, what do you say? What do you give the ranking? It's getting a hero, but it's a very low hero. I gave it a 4.5. Um, and that was not a difficult decision to make. Uh, I don't think I could have given this a sidekick because I do think the the characters themselves were all very interesting, which is why it stayed in the hero category. I think Lala was a very interesting character, uh, which we find out this ends up becoming a lackey. We don't even know if he's still going to be alive next season, because last we saw of him, he was in an interrogation room and potentially exploded. We don't know. Um, more than likely not. Uh, Tobias Whale, really interesting character. Unfortunately, missing for half of this season. Uh, Lady Eve, really interesting non-villain slash villain. Gone by midway through the season. Proctor, only a- around for a couple episodes and was felt insignificant. Even though he was kind of our big villain, has kind of did nothing. He was just kind of a he was just a corporate business guy trying to look to look to get back in the good graces of a shadowy government organization. So it, there was just nothing really all that special about a lot of them. Um, you know, I think Tobias is going to be a very different character next season when we see him. And I think we're going to see him kind of aspire to a true major villain role. But um it was difficult to say he was our big bad this season, even though he was kind of setting up pieces. It was it was Tobias playing chess while everybody else was, you know, I, I can't even say playing checkers. It was just I don't even know what to say. It was just so convoluted and the waters were so muddied and it was difficult. The still the journey getting to the end was fun and interesting and really enjoyable. But um, I, I can't give this in 
in my heart anything above a 4.5. No, so. I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I actually gave the villains a 6 uh, out, of, uh, out of 10 on this one. So a hero ranking as well. But for a lot of the same reasons, as you mentioned, you know, there were a number of different villains throughout the season. I don't think there was one of them that we saw throughout the entire season. You mentioned Tobias, who we lost for probably half the season. And even in the beginning, when we first got him, he felt more like a, a lackey, not a lackey, but he felt like kind of like a right hand man to Lady Eve because we were under the impression perhaps Lady Eve was the villain. And then by the end of it, when Tobias starts to come back, he does get a little bit more intimidating. We start to see him doing, you know, sparring sessions with guys and he's literally beating the piss out of these guys. And, you know, we start to realize at that point that, okay, this guy is a little bit more than what we assumed he was to begin with. And then eventually, I think we also find out, correct me if I'm wrong, that Tobias himself kind of has enhanced abilities. He does. Yeah, we, we find out that, he, yes, he was indeed kind of, you know, part of that original, not original trial even. It was, we still don't know the full breakdown of details. It's in that final episode where we get all that information um, from Gamby when he's with Jennifer. Uh, it, it, we know it's a serum that's based similarly similar to what green light is that slows down his aging and gives him enhanced strength. But it's not quite the same as what normal green light was or what happened to people like Jefferson. So it's we, we know this is based purely upon a serum that he's taking uh, that more than likely was created by the ASA or even if they did say it. I can't remember the, the, the very big specifics of it. But yeah, I can't either. Yeah. So. No, but but again, it's it's one of those things that, yes, we find this out about Tobias, but we don't find this out until the very end. And even talking about, you know, our favorite moments and least favorite moments and the villains and such throughout this annual, I still at this time, I think I'm pretty convinced that, yes, we know it, who it looks like the big bad may be going into season two, which is going to be Tobias. But until the very end of this season, like the and I'm talking like the final minute of this season when we get the whole final scene with Tobias in the briefcase. I don't even think we know at that point who the big bad of season one will really truly was. Yeah. So it's for that reason, I'm giving it such a, a, a low end hero is because it, it, there were many villains, but none of them were completely flushed out. Yeah. And none of them were developed to the point where they should have been by the end of the season. Right. They, we, we should have had a little bit more time with every one of them. Uh, in one way, shape, or form. So, yeah. Uh, so, that being said, the final thing that we're going to do, other than the predictions into season two, is we're going to give this season a ranking as well. Um, and if you don't mind, I think I'm going to start off. Please do. This one. Uh, again, same ranking system one through three sidekick, four through seven hero, and nine, a seven, uh, eight through ten, a legend. Uh, I'm giving this a seven out of ten. Same here. <laughs> okay, and and my main reason of it is you, when you rate the season as a whole, there's a number of different things you have to take into consideration. You have to take consideration the development of the hero characters. You have to take in consideration the development of the villains, which is going to bring the score down a little bit. And also, there's the plot itself. And the plot itself, I really don't. I don't find the plot muddled that much, with the exception of the villains. The, the hero and the family dynamic was superb throughout this season. It's one of the reasons why it's, it's as high as a seven. If not for the villains, had the villains been just slightly more fleshed out and developed, this would have been bumped up into legend territory. And it would have gotten probably to an eight to an 8.5 and, and been in that and been rated a legend. But it's because of the villains and not necessarily knowing that 
who the big bad was for the season that it it kind of drug it down a little bit and weighed it down to into hero but overall with the exception of that you remove those the the villains as we just discussed rating the villain aside i really didn't have many issues with anything else from this season uh, you know we 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 raved on the family dynamic which was great and again the plot it touched on real life situations that we we talked about a number of times as this as the season progressed uh things that people are dealing with in real life and the show did it fantastically it didn't get overly political it didn't get overly emotional well it, it got emotional at times but again politically it didn't get overused as some other shows have done this season and it, it kind of kept it at an even level to the point where you were interested without being turned off and it was one of my it, that was again one of my favorite things about this season, which is why I gave it a seven. Yeah, um, I, I I think you hit the nail on the head on on every one of those points. Uh, I I do disagree a little bit as far as it you know the the political end of it because it was actually very political, but it was done so well that you don't question it. Maybe that um, yeah, maybe that's it. I, I you know like when in you know Supergirl when they bring up the gu- gun control debate, it's so in your face. This, you don't even think about it. It is like, no, this just feels like real life. It's not, let's sit down and try to hit a talking point for this episode. It was just, when you watch the premiere, it said, this is what the show is. If you're not okay with this, this show's not going to be for you. It was un- uh, unapologetic about it, but it did it in the, all the right ways. Um, and I think it, it really succeeded in what it was saying. Um, it, it showed you it. It was not afraid to... Um, you know, mask any of it. And it said, you know, this is, you know, it may be to an extreme in certain points, but it, I think it still managed its message perfectly. And I think it, it succeeded in a way that I wanted it to succeed. And you're right. The characters were great. Uh, the story was really solid and fun throughout. Um, you know, there was episodes that did, did feel like nothing was happening at times. It's very true. Um, and I think that it led a good show from being great in the same way that the villains let it kept the show from being good to great so I, it's all those little pieces kind of in the mix here yeah. um but yeah it was to you know just exactly as you put it there was a lot of things here to really love yeah um so i talking a little bit and you know we mentioned how the season ended with the briefcase and and the thumbs in the briefcase and um that apparently being a way to unlock or take down black lightning where do we think this where do we think this second season is going to go and what would we like to see come out of the second season? Well, I already find it's really interesting that we already found out that Jefferson's role is going to be more time Black Lightning. So the question is, what he what's he going to do when he's not Black Lightning? We know he's not going to be the principal in next season. We know we're going to be getting a lot more heroes and villains, apparently, too. So uh, but I really have a feeling that this is going to be Tobias's season. This is going to be a very laser focused Tobias is the big bad season with a lot more metas that he's going to be working with. And I think we're going to see, you know, that briefcase um, be the creation of a lot of these people. I think we're going to see in the very first couple episodes, Tobias and, and, and his lackeys finding where they're holding those bodies. And he's going to be waking them up and he's going to get them steering on his side. And a couple of them are going to go in the direction of Jefferson. And we're going to get an introduction to a lot of those character types early on. So, um, I, I think we're going to see this maybe fall a little bit more in line with a traditional CW show, like in the Arrowverse kind of realm, not in the same way. I think we're going to get a, a very laser focused story, but I think it's going to be uh, 
you're going to see maybe a little bit more of the monster of the week kind of thing. Okay. Our that was what I was going to ask. Playing out than we did previously. Um, it's just my guess based on how the way that they set things up. But there was a really great way to get there. And I think it earns it in that same way. And the same way it's like, hey, the particle accelerator and flash goes off. Um, and this is why this is going to happen. I, I think those levels have been set up well. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how, where Jennifer fares and all this. I really have no predictions, but I'm looking forward to seeing continuation of Anissa and Jefferson together out there. And I'm looking forward to seeing how Lynn and Gamby and all kind of fall into this. So, yeah, uh, I know one of the other things I, 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 you know, on top of that, I agree with what you said completely. And I would really like to see it as, as a really focused, as you put it uh, with Tobias being the big bad. Cause I think that's something that this show really needs to focus on next season is giving us that solid, uh, answer as to who is the big bad this season. And I know there's a couple things I would like to see personally come out of the season. It's been rumored for a while about static. Uh, I would like to see the possibility of getting an introduction to that character at some point throughout this second season, or at least maybe kind of drop hints that this character exists. Uh, I think that would just be like a little, a nice little nod to people who have, who have read the comics and, and are familiar with the character. Uh, and I, I would not be surprised if at some point, even possibly at San Diego Comic Con or sometime shortly after, we're going to see or hear an announcement that in some way, shape, or form, this is going to cross over with the Arrowverse. I know it's something that they've said from the beginning that it, at this, they've always made sure to say when they talked about it that they used the words at this time. They've never once have I heard anybody say this show will never cross over with the Arrowverse. They did the same thing with Supergirl. Supergirl took a season itself and it, it, it established itself as a, as a show. And then eventually the crossovers began. Now I think this show has done that. This show is going to start introducing more metahumans and, and the forms of more heroes and more villains. And Stephen Amell himself has even said he predicts that this show is going to cross over with that crossover with Arrow at some point. So it's going to be interesting how they're going to make it work if it happens. But as somebody who's a fan of these shows and a fan of these crossovers, I kind of want to see it happen. Yeah, I do, too. I, I agree on both those points, especially st having static there. Uh, static, I think, would add such a fun, fun level in the show of of this character that's just kind of wisecracking and brash and maybe brings some levity to the show for a show that gets very, very serious. And I love how serious it does get. But I think sometimes you need to take a, a deep breath in and breathe. And aside from just doing that, it appears family home. Um, having a character like that out in the field could add something unique and interesting and special to it so yeah and i think the second season has been renewed for another 13 episode season i don't think it's a full season yeah correct so okay so but yeah so it's it's going to be interesting to see what's going to come out of season two uh but um i'm definitely excited for it and we know that the second season is going to premiere uh october 9th of this year and i think it is what day of the week is um i'm Black pretty Lightning? sure October 9th sure it's, is, it's, it's a Tuesday. It's a Tuesday night, so yeah. it's going to be following uh, Flash. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, So because we know we're getting Supergirl on Sunday, uh, Flash and, uh, no, um, Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow on Monday, and Black Lightning and uh, Flash and Black Lightning on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So, uh, cool. So that wraps up our first annual of the summer. One down, four to go <laughs> next year. It'll be one down, six to go. Good God. <laughs> or no, five to go, five to go. God, not God. not six, not seven shows at once. Oh, With God. Titans. Uh, I. You know what, though? Man, 
the more and more they show, more and more they show about Titans. I don't care. I am, I, I, I am willing to do that to myself completely <laughs> because of how excited I am for that show. I so. am too. I, I, I'm really excited for Titans. I'm really excited to see what's going to come out of Comic Con next week, man. It's, it's. There's a lot that I mean. It, they've already. You know what? Let's just talk about the news first, and then we'll we'll talk about that because there's some stuff in the news about what's going to be revealed at Comic Con this year. Uh, so before we get close to wrap things up, let's go over some of the DC news. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to start in the film universe and work our way towards television. Uh, so we're going to start off with a bang, and that is none other than the rumored and long rumored Todd Phillips, you know, Joker film has indeed found its star. Joaquin Phoenix has indeed signed on to play the Joker in this film. I'm kind of really excited about this. I really am, too. I'm not going to lie. And we know this right off the bat, too. Um, They did say this is going to be more than likely takes place in the 80s. Um, And they said this film is going to be is best described as an exploration of a man uh, disregarded by society. Uh, that is not only a gritty character study, but also a broader cautionary tale. Uh, it is darker and more experimental in tone and content than usually a standard DC based fare. Um, they said straight up, this is a standalone film at this point in time. Um, we know this 100% along the way. Uh, from what we understand, this is not based on any story. This is an original story. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what can be done here. There, there sounds- is. There is one thing that I want to see come out of this movie. It is something that we have not seen in a live action format Joker version yet. And uh, I want to see something involving his time as the Red Hood. Uh, I would not be surprised. My guess is if you're going to do this story and you're going to do this in a fun way and nod to the right things, and I'm pretty sure DC is going to make sure it's going to get nods. I wouldn't be surprised to see some of that backstory from the killing joke kind of pulled in here. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him as a uh, a failed comedian uh, that takes a job to help support his family as the Red Hood when everything goes horribly wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's and maybe telling that story without Batman involved, because why not? Why, why not change up and do this and make this another kind of Elseworlds kind of story? Well, it's, um, it's, it's funny because I saw this article posted in another group that I'm, I'm a part of, and uh, we have very open conversations about a lot of things uh, when this stuff like this gets posted. And one of the first comments that I read on this article was, I'll be interested to see who they cast as Batman. And my initial response was, nobody. I don't think you need it. I don't think you need Batman or Robin in this story whatsoever. I think if they stick to what we initially heard about this is that this is going to be more gritty, very low budget, and not connected to the rest of the dceu you don't need batman in this story at all yeah and i think Um, it could be told rather well and one of the things that's really interesting that kind of be the second part of this story is uh what joaquin phoenix actually came out and said today i actually just posted this news story just a couple hours before we started this tonight um and he explained what kind of drew him to the film so i'm actually going to read his statements verbatim and uh, because i think they're really telling on why he's doing this He says, you know, I take a lot of time and consideration when making decisions and uh, what I'm going to work on always. So in some ways, the process, which is uh, is obviously reading a script, meeting a filmmaker and then continue to have meetings and discussions with people like Todd Phillips, uh, you know, 
so I think he's really impressive and he seems to have a very interesting understanding of this world and what he's trying to say. So there is something very appealing about that and working with him on this particular project. It feels unique and uh, in its own world, oh, in its own world in some ways. And maybe mostly it scares the, the fact that it scares the fuck out of, uh, <laughs> well, sorry, the fucking shit out of me or something. He's like, it might as well be the thing that scares you the most. So this is the reason why. Uh, and he says, what's interesting about this, and I do apologize. I know we don't normally curse on this. Um, you know, you're, it, you're it's reading different. verbatim. Yeah, it's acceptable. when you're reading verbatim. It's a little bit different, but. What was really interesting about this uh, interview, he stated, was this. He said, three or four years ago, I actually called my agent and said, why don't they want to take one of these characters and just make a low-budget film about it? A movie, uh, but more of a character study. Why not take one of these villains? And I thought, you know, you can't do the Joker because, you know, it's just that you can't do that character. It's just been done. So I was trying to think of other characters. He said, you know, I'll set up a general meeting with Warner Brothers that, you know, I'm not going to go. and I can't go to a general meeting about something. So I completely just forgot about it. And he's, you know, tucked it away in the back of his mind so then i hear about this idea and i was like oh holy crap that's exciting that's the kind of experience i wanted to have with a movie based on a comic character i felt like you could get something like this on screen for so many years so it's really amazing that the same thoughts i had years ago with that character that they said they would never do this with is the character i'm going to be doing this with um you know and he said you know fans are definitely in for a very unique experience I think underneath, uh, you know, I think underneath and the excitement of these films and the size of them, there's these incredible characters that are dealing with real life struggles. And sometimes that is uncovered and exposed and sometimes it isn't. So I always felt like there were these characters in comics that were really interesting and deserve this opportunity to kind of be studied. And while that's happened with people reading books, uh, it's really fun to see Todd making this appealing about this character and this role specifically. Um, all signs are pointing to this movie filming in 2019. So cool. I'm looking forward to it. A little something that happened earlier in the week and definitely something I'm sure we're going to be seeing in a big, bad way this coming weekend. Uh, The very first um, images have made its way out uh, and we did post it. So if you missed this initial article out there uh, when we posted this, it was on Monday or Tuesday. There were statues shown of both Aquaman and his classic orange and green uh and in addition to a full shot of black manta in full suit uh it has since been fully removed from almost all sources on comic book movie i kind of wish i would have downloaded the shots just posted them up for everybody but if you want to wait to be spoiled to see these things my guess high chance san diego comic-con we will see a whole bunch of this would not so, be surprised uh, but the shots of themselves of these characters and the way they looked Man, they looked phenomenal. So uh, I'm really, really excited when we get to see these guys uh, in action in this our first trailer probably this coming weekend. So same or not this coming weekend because we're shooting. We're actually recording this on a Thursday night versus Sunday morning. But next weekend when we talk about our big San Diego Comic Con thing. So uh, let's jump over into the world of Shazam because lots and lots and lots broke out about this this past week. In addition to another little film loosely tied we'll say for the time <laughs> being which is uh black adam but uh starting off with shazam uh a key member of somebody from the house of marvel uh which is uh, i always i have a hard time pronouncing this guy's name uh 
Jamon, uh, I think it is Hanso, which he played one of Ronan the Accuser's underlings in Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, is actually joining the uh, joined the picture specifically to play none other than the wizard in Shazam. Uh, originally, Ron Jones was actually cast as the role, but unfortunately, due to some serious scheduling conflicts, uh, you know, he is uh, was unable to fulfill his role in the film. Uh, so they actually cast Jean, uh or sorry. Jaman, uh, sorry, Hanso, uh, quite a while back and kept it fairly, fairly quiet. So we do know that he is still making an appearance again uh, when we see Captain Marvel later, when they actually tie a little bit into some of the things that happened in the past over the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So a current actor that's going to still have one foot into DC, one foot into Marvel. Man, so. I'm, I'm telling you, that list of people who have been in both worlds keeps getting longer and longer. Because there's 4,000 comic book movies. <laughs> <laughs> so. I mean, because who was somebody else that we just um, – there was somebody else that was just most recently added to that list as well, even before. Uh, and I can't remember who it is. I mean, we've oh, seen – Oh, God. It's just, it means, you know, Christ. It, I it mean, just, I, the I, list I, goes on forever. I, there's at least – I mean, you've got like J.K. Simmons. And I mean, there are so many people who have nope. – been in both who've stepped foot in both dc and marvel now and i think i think it's fantastic yeah no i love it i, I love the fact that you know it- it's it's okay for them to be in both i mean i think you're not going to see all the oh, like robert Downey jr is not joining the the dc like cinematic universe anytime soon what but, <laughs> so but i mean i think you know you'll see a lot of the the you know more character actors that have made appearances in the past or currently or will you'll see them shift back and forth a little bit more yeah. so um but some of the cooler other things that have indeed also happened with Shazam as well um the first official official photo of Zach Levi in character uh, you know as uh Captain Marvel or well now Shazam because can't call him Captain Marvel anymore yeah. <laughs> um, because of that character dynamic changes and name shifts and the ownership of that character name that has just gone on for far too long. Um, but seeing him as the role of Shazam uh, standing to, next to a young Freddie Freeman sharing a soda outside of a convenience store uh, is our first shot. And man, there's so much to love about this picture. Can, can I just say, I know there's been some skepticism about this movie and and the casting and everything but i have been on board with this movie from the moment zach levi was cast i and i cannot wait to see this movie yeah so i'm so excited to see you know and i love the fact though too that you know you have freddie and billy who are like these you know super close friends and you know like they geek out about comic books and then one of them becomes (laughs) like Becomes a superhero, and I love the fact that you see Freddie Freeman and Billy Batson, and it's Billy Batson as Shazam, um, standing side by side. And I love this the shot of Zach Levi holding an entire fridge pack of soda, just like you know he's gonna pound one after the other after the other. And <laughs> it, it, but there's so much color and life and humor in that single shot that you know exactly the movie that we're going to get. And I think this made a lot of people just excited and ready for this movie. Uh, and the fact that we know, which is the next part of the story, that trailer also will be with us at San Diego comic con. I next can't week. wait. So really excited for the fact that we we get not only Aquaman a trailer that a lot of people that have seen behind closed doors that have just said, it just makes your jaw hit the floor. The fact that we're all going to also get a chance to see, something else just as equally looks that it just as amazing with Shazam. So yes, sir. All right. Um, jumping into again, Shazam adjacent, which is black Adam 
Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Well, does Dwayne Johnson know? He actually went on to say originally why he dropped the name of the Rock uh, a couple years back. Did it officially say 100% guys? It is on. Uh, he is indeed locked in to play Black Adam. He did say quite a few other things right recently, right around the time that, uh, you know, he was doing some press for Skyscraper uh, that he said Black Adam is very much coming along. The script is coming along amazingly. He's like, I'm incredibly happy, happy with it. And it's a project that that obviously you just want to make sure we take our time with and get right. More than likely, he did say the film will definitely be shooting probably very late 2019. Um, and he did say the amount of cameos and big DC cameos at that that will be showing up in this movie are huge. Uh, he wouldn't go on and say too much else. Obviously, you know, he did say, uh, you know, he's got another big role of what he's going to be shooting next, which is, uh, I believe uh, the next movie is called red notice uh, is the next thing he's shooting in addition to Jumanji. But he said, it sounds like after those two projects wrap up, black Adam will be the next role. So more than likely said late 2019 for shooting. Uh, he did say 100%. He can want, can confirm, no sequences of him whatsoever in Shazam. So we do have to wait and see until see him as that character on the big screen until Black Adam makes his first appearance. So. And can I can I just say I went to an advanced screening of Skyscraper uh, the other day and I, I am totally on board with The Rock being Black Adam. <laughs> I really am. I, I, I will watch that man in any movie. I yeah, really will. I, He's just a fun actor. He really is. And he's just a fun person. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, seeing what he does with his character. I am um, too. Jumping over a little bit more. One last big story we have to talk about in the DC world for the film side. Uh, first behind the scenes video of Kristen Wiig uh, doing some uh, quick sequences. It looks like uh, for some early effects work that they're going to do for Cheetah. So that video is on our page. Uh, it did make its way onto Twitter. Uh, from Wonder Woman HQ. So if you haven't gotten a chance to check it out, you can easily check that out over on our website uh, through facebook.com slash DC primetime. Uh, jumping over to the TV side of the world, there was a couple of things that did happen this week. A lot of these shows did start uh, shooting for next season already this past week. So if you do follow any of our favorite characters across these shows, like, you know, you know, Flash, Supergirl, Arrow, uh, you know, Legends of Tomorrow, you probably have already seen a couple great shots. There was a great one of... Ray Palmer and Zari dressed out in all 60s gear, which very much looks like they were shooting something for a Woodstock episode. Um, and my guess is it's very much going to probably be a Woodstock episode, even though they haven't said it yet. Um, but we've also seen shots of a couple things happening behind the scenes. But one of the things we can get into a little bit more is uh, we can confirm officially Jeremy Jordan did announce he is indeed returning to Broadway this fall uh, in the same thing that we kind of expected was the case. Uh, uh, he's heading back into the Great White Way is the name of the show. Uh, and he said, you know, or sorry, not the Great White Way. Uh, the American Sun is what it's called. Uh, so he is going to be indeed jumping into the mix there. It's a non-musical Broadway role. So we knew he was probably going to be diving into something back on the stage again. Uh, this again indeed confirms it. So Yeah, that's we, we kind of had a feeling that was why he was taking right. a step back from the show. Yep. Um, and, you know, again, that's where his passions have been for a very long time. And I would not be surprised. Like I said, we know we'll be seeing him again again in Supergirl this coming season. But probably, again, it was based to work around the schedule. And that may change some things for him come next year. So we'll wait and see. Uh, but 
uh, the last big story of the week happens to come out of the Arrow Camp. Uh, we did find out about a couple new characters that are recurring. We'll be seeing when we debut with Arrow next year. The first character, uh, codename is Dover, uh, who is described as a physically intimidating player, even though he may not be the brightest person in the room. Anyone who is in his presence will indeed incredibly feel small. Uh, then there's Leah, a 30 something year old woman who is in a world, who is a world class mercenary who was born to be a leader, but the most detailed description is a character that I think we all know who this is going to be, which is Angeline is the code name, a diverse woman in her thirties. She is a fierce fighter despite her small stature. Not only is the uh, is she experienced in stealth, Angeline is able to wipe, uh, wipe out buildings filled with foes all by herself before she's gone like a ghost. And it will be made very clear that Angeline thinks incredibly highly of her work more than likely guys. And they did say all these characters are indeed people that will be reoccurring characters throughout the season. This is our Batwoman, guys. I'm pretty damn sure. So uh, that's going to be pretty awesome. We will be hearing. So this might mean we might meet Batwoman before the crossover. uh, Or even if that's not the case, we might be seeing more of Batwoman even post crossover. So uh, that's not a bad thing. I'm I'm, I'm very excited to see where this is all going to go. So no, Uh, but that wraps up the news for us this week. Cool. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, as I mentioned, I saw Skyscraper. I I really can't wait to see The Rock as Black Adam. I I can't. It's God. I I, I know some of our listeners are, f- are friends with me on Facebook privately. If you missed it, I went off. Rob, I don't even know if you saw it. Did you see oh, my I did. rant? I, lo- I loved it. I absolutely <laughs> loved it. I, for the first time ever, I'll tell this story real quick and I'll I'll exclude the swearing. But I, I go I go to a lot of press screenings and which are advanced. Rob, you've gone with me to some. We're actually going to one to go see T Titans go to the movies uh, in a couple weeks. I think that's actually the weekend of Comic Con. I think that's the weekend we're going to see that. So we might even be talking about that in two weeks. Um, I think yeah, it's it's the weekend weekend of I believe. I'm pretty yeah, damn sure. I think it is. It's the 21st, which I think is the weekend of Comic Con. So we'll probably be talking about that on Sunday on our recording that week as well. But I went and saw Skyscraper now. When you go to the movies, this is just me. I, I'm a very easy to deal with critic. I very rarely give things panning reviews because I enjoy movies. I like going. I like getting that temporary escape from reality. I'm sitting in a theater. And when you go to these press screenings, there are people from the general public there that are kind of like contest winners and things like that. But the press usually sit in a pool. We all sit in a pool of people, usually towards the top of the theater, and we all sit together. And... uh you know, because we get to go in before everybody else and we have our own private section. And I've never, I've heard ridiculous conversations in press screenings before, but I, I usually let it go. I'm listening to two different conversations when I'm there. And this is before the movie starts. The conversation behind me made me laugh. And it's a father telling his son about how He's responsible for The Rock or for Dwayne Johnson playing Black Adam in the upcoming movie because back in 1997, he happened to meet him at a convention and he gave him a, a Shazam comic book. I, are you kidding me? Why would you lead? First off, back in 1997, The Rock wasn't even acting yet. He was still The Rock. Uh, so stop feeding your son this BS. Because he believes you. I feel well, sorry you know, for your son. It's, I, I, you know, I, I do understand that a little bit. It's, it's a father and son kind of just, you know, 
parents do talk to their kids that way at times. Kind of like, hey, you know, it makes their kids feel special. It's uh, these little stories that they get to tell. And maybe, I, I, but I, I, I do get, I do get that. I and do again, totally get that. It's a story so. that made me laugh. So I, I didn't oh, think yeah. anything of it. Right, right, right. The guy is in front of me, however. <laughs> I have a guy sitting directly in front of me, and he's got his friend with him, because we do bring friends to these screenings when we go. And the guy in front of me is going on and on and on about a movie he hasn't even seen yet, about how this movie is going to fail. It's going to be horrible. And it's it's here are his reasons why. And he's so dead set on this. And I'm in the back of my mind, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, dude, just shut up. You, ha- you haven't even seen the movie yet. How do you even know? Like, we're here to see the movie at the same time. And so the movie happens, and this same guy is laughing through half of this movie, and majority of the time at the action sequences, because apparently he finds them more funny than anything else. So now the movie ends, and majority of people are leaving during the credits. I'm somebody who, even before Marvel started doing it, I like to sit through credits, because you're paying homage to the people that put their hard work into that movie. So... And that's one of the things I actually pride Marvel on is they actually found a way to get people to do that is by putting these scenes at the end of movies. I was always somebody that did it anyway, unless I was with a group of friends and they were all leaving, I would get up and leave with them. I usually stayed till the end. So a movie like Skyscraper, there's nothing at the end. I'm still going to sit through the credits. So I'm sitting through the credits and these two guys are doing it too. And the whole time, this guy is just spewing on and on and on about how this is not scientifically believable the physics of the of of Dwayne jumping from the crane into the building which is in the trailer not a spoiler uh you know is not feasibly feasi- feasibly possible and the final scene like it, it there's no way that could have happened because it was a wide shot you would I'm like and finally I got to the point and I'm going to excuse my language now that when the credits ended I got up and as I walked past them I literally leaned over and I said, here's a piece of friendly advice. This is a fucking movie. It's not supposed to be logical. It's meant to defy logic. That's the reason why you go to escape reality. If Unless you firmly believe that there is legitimately a guy, and it was the first reference I could think of, which is why I said it. Unless you legitimately believe there's a guy out there in a spider costume climbing walls, shut the fuck up. And I turned around and I left. <laughs> I've never commented on it before, but just listening to this guy talk the, about this. The spew vitriol. Yeah. Yes. I'm like, and here's my thing. And it's one of the reasons why when you and I review movies and we review TV shows, one of the things, even if it's a movie we don't like, like last week when we reviewed Batman Ninja, look, we may not have liked it. You might like it. Yeah, and it, it watch our show. Movie. Yeah, our show has always been opinion based. Yes, it is our opinion. It is not the general consensus of the American populace or, you know, if you're from Canada or if you're from the UK, regardless of where you're from. We're not taking an aggregate like somebody like Rotten Tomatoes, which I have my own problems with Rotten Tomatoes as to begin as with. Do I. Uh, but like we're not an aggregate. It's it's a purely opinion. But like we never tell you, do not see this, do not waste your time on this. Because if you like certain things, like for example, Batman Ninja, man, if you love certain anime tropes and you can find humor and enjoyment in, in something like that, and you you enjoy it and that's your thing, man, go for it. Like you you may enjoy that movie. For me, it just wasn't my cup of tea. But even though I may give that like a two or a three, you may give it a nine. Not going to knock you about it. If you're a yeah. friend of mine, I might rib you about it a little yeah, bit. And, but and, I, and it's all in good fun. But I'm not going to 
I'm not going to throw hate speak at your, your, your social media accounts or things like that because you're totally welcome to your opinion, you know? I mean, look how many times we've talked about Man of Steel. I'm not crazy about Man of Steel. I know you didn't have as many problems with it as I did, and I know there are people out there saying they would have much rather a Man of Steel 2 over Shazam. It, it's, it's a difference of opinion. Everybody has what they like and what they don't. There's one of our listeners was commenting on something that we posted about uh, when we posted the Joaquin Phoenix Joker story. One of our listeners posted about how Jared Leto's portrayal was the best portrayal of the Joker. Now, I firmly disagree with that. I think you, there's no way in hell you could put him above um, Nicholson or Ledger. But, uh, you know, that's your opinion. You're entitled right. to that opinion. I'm and, not- for any, and, and for anybody that likes How I Met Your Mother, like Benson completely wrong saying that, you know, Zoe was the best person that Ted was with. Um. <laughs> Thank you for throwing that back in my face. Oh, just just because I could. <laughs> my, my, the basic pre- the basic point to this story is one: it's humorous that I actually got to go off on another member of the press, and um, it doesn't affect me going to screenings because there was nobody there. We were literally maybe one of ten people left in the theater. Man, so you should have asked him without that he was with first. I know. before doing it just to see if it ended up in his review. <laughs> oh, I should have. I really should have. But I was just so like fuming at that time that I was just like. All right, because it was actually it was really bothering my viewing experience because I was legitimately look, it's a it's a Dwayne Johnson movie. It's a check reality at the door. Go in, have some popcorn and enjoy yourself kind of movie. It's 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 what you expect of a Dwayne Johnson movie. It's not going to win any Oscars. It's a popcorn flick. Go in and enjoy it. And the fact that this guy's laughing through like action sequences really affected my viewing experience. And it was one of the main reasons why I said something at the end. But the main plot the main point to this story other than the humorous of me flipping out on another member of the press is look i'm saying this as a film critic do not let film critic reviews affect you seeing a movie go and see the movie if it's something you think you might like don't listen to what the reviews are Go yeah. and see it for yourself. I still think the best reviews in the world are word of mouth. If you have six or seven friends to go see it, ask them what they think if you're on the fence. I, you know, like to this day, like I'm like, I don't still know if I should see Jurassic World. Half of my friends adored it. Half of them were completely indifferent on it. Uh, were com- completely either. Actually, no, it was a very much love or hate. Um, but I like, loved it. It was, I, it was a, such a 50-50 split and out of probably about 10 people I talked to. And it was for me, it was like, well, there was so much that I've seen recently in the theater. I'll wait on this one. But I know I'm still going to watch it when when it's available to me to watch. I totally yeah. will. You know, I mean, it, I've, I've seen I've seen Ant-Man twice already because I love it. And luckily for me, I don't really I don't think I've heard a bad review of it yet. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean, like I, I, I always go back to this as an as a prime example. A movie that I did not think there are two actually, and one of them again stars Dwayne Johnson. A movie that I did not think I was going to like, but I gave a chance because I, that's who I am. Was Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle. I'm a huge Robin Williams fan. Always have been. Always will be. Even though he has passed. And that first movie holds such a special place in my heart that I almost refused to go and see the sequel. Oh, I remember when they announced that you were pissed, man. <laughs> I was mad because I didn't think it merited a sequel. But then I actually went. I saw the movie. There's one line in the movie that and I think you and I have talked about this already that completely once this one line was said, and that's all it took was one line. And I kind of enjoyed the movie up until that point. And then once this one line was said. I, in the back of my head, I was like, you know what? We're good. 
were absolutely good because in one line they recognized and paid homage to the original. Alan Parrish was here. And yeah, this is not this, this is this is the house that Alan built. I'm just living in it. Mm-hmm. We're good. We're absolutely good. You just paid homage to the movie that I love. I and and ever since then I'm able to rewatch that movie and I love it more and more every time I watch it. It, another, it's that wonderful line of we're playing in Robin Williams toy box. And yeah. I love that, you know, but but another movie that again was I, I heard it was announced wasn't crazy about the idea. But the more I went and saw it, I enjoyed it. And the more I watch it, the more and more I really love it. And the fact that they set it up for a sequel and it won't get one because critics panned it. Tron Legacy. <laughs> no, I love Tron Legacy. Uh, no. I, I love that movie. Is, I know is, Ghostbusters, though. Is no, Ghostbusters. You're right. Yeah. I, I love, I, I know people didn't want to see an all female reboot of Ghostbusters because people were like, love the original, but I, 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 you know what? I enjoyed it. It had its moments. And if you look at it separate from the original, you can actually enjoy the movie. You really can. And it's a really fun, enjoyable movie. And I, I think it still stands alone and it still works. And it it plays enough wonderful notes to other things. And most of you know, the, the members of the cast that were still with us at the time were a part of it. And even if it was cameos or whatnot to play, you know, play a nice nod. It was a fun movie with a good cast. And it's. It, you know what? We don't usually bring up stuff like this on the show, but like, no, and I, I'm sorry that I did because we're kind of oh no, off no, no. On a tangent. Oh no, it, it's okay. We had a short show. Um, yeah. we actually had a short show, so we had to make sure we crest the two hour mark. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, was things like you know, like especially today, where you have actors quitting social media because of vicious fanboys, you know, that just don't want somebody to. Ha- be able to enjoy things that they loved or God forbid it. It's no longer what it was to them when they were like eight years old. Um, it, it's, it's, it's very toxic and it's, it's a shame that that happens. And it's just, remember you can turn that part off. Uh, you can go and sit down and enjoy something. Is And if you're going, if you are going into something like that, knowing you're going to be angry, then don't go. There's no reason to, you know, you're, you're all you're doing is lessening the enjoyment and the involvement for other people. Well, so. that's one of the things I said about this this film critic that I I interacted with on I say interacted with, uh, interacted with on Tuesday is like, look, if you go to movies for the realism, you're in the wrong business. You shouldn't be a film critic. You should be watching documentaries because most movies, ninety five percent of movies out there, unless it's based on a true story, and even they take take liberties. Reality doesn't play into it. Yeah, uh, there's going and it's, to be breaks from reality. That sounds like somebody that's been doing this for far too long and has become so damn jaded and that has lost all enjoyment in doing it. And that's when that happens, man. It's time to take a break. Yeah. So, and what? Yeah, and it also doesn't help too that there are too many people that are given press access to these things. Because I mean, like we have a legitimate platform. We have multiple podcasts, and you know we do movie reviews on on the website and things like that. But there are some people that you find in this press pool that literally just have a blog, and it gets them press access. And they yeah. a, a lot of these times it really feeds to an ego to the point where they feel like they're more important than everybody in the theater because they're there. Yeah. And I have a feeling this guy is one of those guys. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so, uh, yeah, it is what it is. It was an interesting interaction. It's not going to stop me from going to see movies. I love going to see films in theaters. I love watching movies. Um, you know, again, I've had some 
differences and with some of the DCEU. I still watch them. Yeah. You know, every once in a while, I go back and I rewatch Man of Steel to think maybe my opinion will change. It doesn't. But I still go, <laughs> but I still go back and I rewatch it. Yeah. Um, because that's just what you do. So bottom line, again, sorry for the tangent, but just don't let film critics and film reviews jade you from going to see movies. If it's something you think you might enjoy, go and see it. Because I can tell you right now, nothing in the world will stop me from going to see Christopher Robin. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I get like I, the last trailer of seeing him and Ewan McGregor interacting with each other, like on the train and in the city. Dude, I, like I felt like a 10 year old watching that trailer. Like I, nothing in the world will stop me from going to see that movie. I don't care if you tell me it is the worst movie in the world. I will go and see that movie. Yeah, most definitely. All right. Recommendations. Yeah. And let's get out of here. Um, recommendations. I honestly didn't think of any. Um, I got a really you- good. I got a good simple one for both of us to everybody. Okay. One, be prepared for next weekend. Watch what you can. Keep you know, uh, you know, on top of that news, watch those trailers that are going to come out at San Diego Comic Con. Join us next Monday morning when when we release this podcast and we get to geek out and hopefully you are as equally as excited as we are for everything that's going to come out. And then in addition to that. Now is the time. If you haven't done so already, check out a couple episodes of Teen Titans Go. That movie comes out in just a couple weeks. We'll already have have an opinion. (laughs) We'll have an opinion for you for that movie right after we get to see it. Um, So that'll be in that San Diego Comic-Con episode a couple days before that movie comes out. So you guys will already know what we think of it. But if you haven't watched it, give that show a chance if you're a hardcore DC fan or just want to have something fun to do uh, and just want to turn your brain off and laugh. Um, So now is a perfect time to check it out. Yeah, I need to I need to go back and watch a couple episodes of that because uh, I'm going to see the movie. I can't wait to see the movie. And I've never seen an episode of the show. Ah. <laughs> so I kind of need to do that. But I'm, I'm still looking forward to uh, to seeing the movie. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to share that recommendation with you as well is just gear up for Comic-Con. Uh, I have a feeling we're going to see some really cool stuff coming out of there. Me too. Really, really cool stuff. The Shazam trailer, the Aquaman trailer, uh, maybe some scenes, as you mentioned, Kristen Wiig is Cheetah from, from the upcoming Wonder Woman sequel. Uh, some announcements from some of the TV shows, which will be fun. It's There's going to be I, a lot. Um, you know, because I'm going to ask you now before we get off the air, what's your big what, – what do you think is going to be uh, the big surprise from Hall H and Warner Brothers in the DC camp for the movie side? Oh, from the movie side. Something we don't know that's coming. Um, oh, you know, that's a good question. I, I wouldn't be surprised maybe to see some promo shots of Birds of Prey or whatever, or maybe even Suicide Squad 2. I don't know. I, it's, it's really a toss up. Like, I really. I can't really think of what I want to see. Like, I uh, mean, there's there's stuff that I want to see, but I don't. I really can't. Oh, God, I I don't. That's know. A, I think we're gonna get our uh, our Hal Jordan and John Stewart casting. Ooh, okay. You know what? That's a good one. That's that's a good one too. 
Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you're right. The Birds of Prey cast is uh, is announced as well. I think those are going to be our two big two big gets coming out of next week. I could be horribly, horribly wrong. But if, <laughs> if, 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 if there was something I think they should be doing, um, that would be that would be the calls. I think that, that they will they will make and um, and maybe even we'll get a Batman cast. Who knows? Uh, yeah, so. there could be there could be a Batman cast. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe there is a um, official announcement to a title to the Man of Steel sequel. Well, Cavill did come out. It was a non-news story news story. So he basically said when a reporter asked him for some press stuff for Mission Impossible, and he said, uh, when's Man of Steel 2 happening? He said, sometime between 2019 and 2045. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so. Uh, yeah. The, so it, it'll be cool. I, I, I have no doubts as to what we're going to see. And the beauty about it is that um, – you know, Warner Brothers is really good, unlike Marvel, when they show a trailer in Hall H. Marvel holds it for months before they'll release it to the to the world. And uh, DC and Warner Brothers, usually within the hour, it's online. Mm-hmm. So I think Justice League, I think within like 15 minutes, yeah, it was it yeah. was released online. So uh, just keep your eye on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC Primetime, because you can almost guarantee the moment we see it, you will see it. Yeah, yeah, we will do our best. Uh, we may be in the middle of a movie, but when we get a chance, <laughs> we'll let you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so cheap plugs, and then <clears throat> we'll wrap up this annual and we'll get out of here. Uh, you can catch me. Uh, well, first off, you can check out the Next Level Podcast Network, nextlevelradioonline.com, facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline. Uh, you can check me, uh, the D- the Facebook page for DC Primetime, which is DC Prime, uh, facebook.com slash DC Primetime. Uh, you can check out my other podcast, the Showcast Spotlight, which is our interview conversation podcast as well as we have to go back lost revisited which is getting ready to record its fourth episode and posting on june 15th uh but other than that you can leave us a voicemail we would love to get your feedback as to what you thought of this first season of black lightning your favorite characters favorite moments and such uh you can do that by messaging us on facebook or leaving us a voicemail at 1-888-247-5380 again 1-888-247-5380 247-5380 toll free in the US and Canada. Uh, as for me, you can always find me through the Captain Crew cast of pods and we have confirmed this coming Monday night we will be recording the Mythology podcast. Um, looking forward to this one. So Ben, you'll be joining us. I will. Be. Um, we have a uh, second time uh, joining us. Uh, Jess, uh, Jess Swain will be joining us in for the she was uh, last on our musical episode. I know it's going to be myself Cat, uh, Jada, and Bill. So it'll be a nice little group of us uh, joining the fray on this one. And uh, so we'll be talking about, I'm sure, everything between classic movies like things like Clash of the Titans, um, even like random little things like, you know, Percy Jackson series books. And uh, I love the Percy Jackson series. And even up to everything and including uh, modern mythologies and uh, comic books could factor into that conversation. So we shall see. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it. But with that said, again, next week, our Comic-Con special. Uh, So keep an eye out for that, as well as all the stuff that you see posted on the Facebook page as it comes out. But until that time, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace.